0: Okay, David, we're recording, but I want you to be quiet and listen to this noise. <laughs> is this, you know what you, that is? It's you setting your, um, your standing desk. That's my standing desk rising, so you know that we're ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. I, so we've been recording on the like, slate. You always put it on a high setting. I really appreciate that. I was sitting down today. I did. I did. I did a call sitting down just before this, but it feels good now. I feel like I'm ready for i'm ready i'm ready to do the central division once we're once we're standing up like that i should say I'm, i
1: can see on video otherwise i would have had no idea what that was and would have made a bunch of embarrassing guesses like something having to do with a very high t- high level coffee maker
0: <laughs> oh no that's my artisanal bean grinder. it's um, it's the new muffled uh muffled bixby coffee grinder that i get. Excellent. i'm just kidding excellent uh, uh how are you I'm well. I think we're recording in advance because I'm I'm leaving. Oh, don't give and, away the magic. No, they,
1: they, they like, I, do, I don't know, do people want to know or do they want to feel like, you know, I've already deleted uh, Clubhouse off my phone. I, really? I, I've had it. I just, it was too confusing to me and I just, I too don't confusing? even know. confusing?
0: What's confusing about it?
1: Well, I mean, the barrier to entry, I, did, I was afraid I was going to talk or hear someone talk and I just, I've not, <laughs> this is all, I'm, I'm very happy with our podcast. It gives me a lot of satisfaction to talk to you and also feels like i've complete the complete limit of my technical technological knowledge is yeah is, yeah you're, it's you're a tech- complete world for me
0: and by technological knowledge you mean you click a link that i set up and then i record it and process it and post it is that what you mean? Yeah, that's. I mean, the same way I bring the Volvo to the dealership and have them fix it. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking it would be interesting. I don't know if you hate this idea, and I hate. Okay. To, I hate to brainstorm in the mm. in a public arena like this. No, I like it. Um, what if we did the podcast one time, like on Zoom, and everyone could join on? We do it, David and Michael, Central Division Live. I. You know, I don't mind answering questions live. I don't. I don't like looking at a lot of
1: screens. If it was in person, honestly, if we were ever, in- we can in, in have the,
0: Emily throw a pillowcase over the computer <laughs> until it was the end uh, when right. we do question and answer. <laughs> we,
1: I think, if we were ever united in the same place and did uh, some sort of you know, talk together, and then there was an audience, I w- would be very happy to answer questions from people. And that yeah. brings yeah. yes.
0: Go ahead. Yeah, that's well, a good would, segue. I,
1: well, do you like? I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about questions, partly because I'm, I get so annoyed on, on social media. Here's the first thing: don't ever post. I'm my, it's my mistake. I got excited. I got a watch. I get a watch every ten years, and this watch is sort of a World War II replica watch from the world's least romantic, least creative company on Earth, MWC military watch company, It's <laughs> just incredible. Like if you were making it up that you couldn't make it up more bland Lee. And I just posted a photo to see what would happen. And what happened was sort of what I feared which was hundreds of responses saying who makes this watch. I had to go in and reformat it so it said what it was. It didn't stop the avalanche. What of was questions. the pi-
0: What was the picture on that photo? It Who was that I, man? that's Willem de Kooning, the painter.
1: And I've been reading his biography on and off again, and so I just put the watch on there and took
0: a picture. It seemed it was, sort of it artful. Was cre- it was creepy. And it was that- creepy
1: to you, and uh, and it and I realized there. First of all, people are watched crazy, and mm-hmm. which I understand. Their car crazy. They have all sorts of theories, especially and questions at that and one price.
0: Especially at that price point, I mean, you are really just <laughs> inviting everyone to comment. Because, but, but I think that there's this funny, faux intimacy
1: of. I I remember you used to tell me if if I ask you a question, it's usually something that it's taking your time and not my time. Googling, you had a fair funny phrase about that, and so I'm always afraid to ask you technological questions because I can usually figure it out myself, and then I do this mental calculation about is it going to make you matter or take me longer to figure it out (laughs) and I'm like I think I can handle Michael being annoyed at me because it's going to take me an hour so that's usually like an hour I can balance if it's five minutes then I do it myself in any case people just asking questions like my my idea with the question first of all I'm pretty careful on social media if I want to share something, I tag it very responsibly. I want someone to go to the tailor. I want someone to go to my friend's grill site or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There are a few places, just a few that I don't tell, that I keep to myself, my favorite bar. I don't even post photos of it. My favorite.
0: You don't even take is. your friends oh, there. Oh, oh, don't don't even take, might- I,
1: I will only take them there blindfolded <laughs> and it's impossible to find anywhere. I'm not even sure I know the name of it. In any case, there are a few things. I just need a little mystery and, and, and if, I was gonna ask someone a question, how do you find this online? I would really only ask it to someone I knew. If I didn't know them, I wouldn't ask a question that just said, where, what is it? Who designed this? Like at least have the, like, say hello like, hi David, sorry to bother you. Can you please let me know? I mean, I wouldn't be jumping down somebody's DMs just like where, with like two word questions. (laughs) What, what, what is it? What brand? And I like. I understand we're all in shorthand, but like, give me
0: romance me a little if you're going to come at me like this. I didn't realize we all had to woo you. You know, I to need get, a little to fi- find out where the watch well, is from. L- let I, me ask I, you this: I would always you start... ask someone a question
1: that you don't know that you've never met in person. I understand, like we're, uh, but would you just jump into someone's DMs and just say, "Where is this?"
0: Um, probably not. Of course um, not. You know, I I think if I were a contender subscriber, the contender subscriber, I think I'd say, Hey, David, you yeah. know, I subscribe yep. to the newsletter, really totally. like it. I'm curious. You, I saw you posted this, yes. you know, fish, your fishing spot in Montana and hand it over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another thing too, like sharing guides and information. And I think, and I do, you know, we're doing this podcast for people who subscribe and obviously we're trying to create, our community and one reason honestly i started to do the q a sessions and make this ecosystem is because it felt like people were getting very um send me your complete list of tokyo just in in the dms of instagram like you know that's worth a lot of time and energy and would actually be paid to do that if i did it for a magazine and i know nothing about you what, what type of places you like what your budget is and so it's a yeah. little strange but other people just it like obviously we subscribers are what we're dealing with here. And I've I've been answering questions that men have had for many years now and have tried to do it in a way that's like part of what I do. And I do think there's an art to asking a question because you're showing the respect to the person's time and energy and also sense of discovery. And so certain things are like, I don't, I'm happy to help you find cool rugs. I don't know if I want you to do the exact same hack I have, but because so many people asked me about it, I finally just wrote a story, how to find rugs. I bought it, I, said I, that.
0: I, I bought some rugs based on this these guidelines and they were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's, we need the counter. I'm going to send them, that's, nobody can give a thumbs down,
1: I think. Luckily they don't have that on Substack.
0: Thumbs I mean, it, 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 I think your larger thought here is that Comments are mostly worthless. Um, maybe I don't know. I, I think that there's some there's something to that. It's like why does everything have comments? Like you ever read the New York Times comments on stories? I mean, every now and then, if I can tell people are going to get mad at somebody, I do I do click down to see how
1: mad they're getting.
0: It's like you never never look at the New York Times picks unless it's like some sort of health article. Um, you you always look at like what are the reader picks, and then a lot of it's just everyone's just incensed about everything. And it's like, you know, people just float around the internet, you know, complaining about stuff mm. or like, you know, I think it's just, it would be nice to just turn off comments all the time and just mm. not, not have Instagram comments. You know, I, well, I you, think personally,
1: you've talked about this before where we used, we're just used to finding out information right away.
0: And yeah. if something
1: is that it would never occur to us, that it would take a while to find something out. That it would never occur to us to um, have something and have it take a year or track it down or go on a pilgrimage or wait too long and overpay or wait too long and it surfaces again and it's only a dollar. And you're like, oh, my God. And and it's just it's funny to me that I like those types of things. And if you're looking for some crazy master's hat and if you're looking for some sort of rug and it comes up at the place where you least expect it or. They stopped making, Alden stopped making this shoe. And so you just always are on the lookout for it or you look for some paperback edition when you're only in London because it was available in England. That's fun. That's good. That's nice to have those things. We shouldn't just be able to get them the second we want. Or where do you get this? Where do you get it? Where?
0: I think we're lucky in our generation that you know there was an article or a newsletter, um, Why Is This Interesting? Um, Mm. They wrote about traveler's checks. And (laughs) traveler's (laughs) checks... you know, in 1990, basically over the deck, over the decade of the nineties, like got, got phased out. Um, And it was interesting because I remember some, some trips using traveler's checks Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's interesting to be in, you know, where we came from this world of, we did, we dealt with like pre-internet things, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like traveler's checks as an example, like we lived through that. And so we understand that but then we also understand now like the, you know, the way things are now. And so I think we're lucky to have be across both of those, that sort of analog world Mm. and this highly digital world. And so we bring maybe different perspectives to things than other people do. Like if you only grew up in the digital universe or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very obvious, like if you're only analog, you know, how it's like very hard to adapt to digital world in a lot of ways. Um, you know, just a funny thing about your questions, you're, you're asking me te- technical questions. My wife will call me and say, she'll call me and, what's up? Is everything all right? Yeah. yeah. How do you open the trunk? How do you open the trunk in the car? <laughs> I'm like, are you seriously calling me to ask me this? <laughs> like, that's the type it's, of stuff but, I get every day. Now so like, I- you hit me sometimes with your like, how do I, how do I clear my search history? <laughs> uh from my from my significant other David you know you can google that uh the, that you know
1: the funny thing is
0: about cars
1: though it, so as someone who drove sobs the sob ignition used to be down where like the parking brake is which was very un, unexpected for most people and they couldn't mm-hmm. f- ever find it and that seemed exotic now if i get into a car i a modern car i have to take a solid few minutes to figure out all sorts of things. And I'm really looking, acting like I'm just assessing the whole interior. I'm really trying to figure out how to start the thing. Because (laughs) every place has a different fob and button and you got to hold the button down or or you just press the button softly. And it's, there's no intuitive way. Um, I mean, my old Saab only had three dials in it. Heating, very clear. It was kind of very self-explanatory. that anyone from any country could understand and very little to distract you, it was quite nice. And now you've got a whole console that um, every people who don't have that yet always put off getting the newest version because they're afraid of learning an entirely new system. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that most people who drive, let's just say a Volvo, because a lot of them are this previous generation, people who use traveler's checks, had, have never used half of the features or have any idea how to operate it. It's like, that's my mom's thing. She just puts it on NPR, keeps the, the car there the entire time she's had the lease. She's never touched the radio. <laughs> it has stayed on it and, and, and as she loses service, actually she has one from Minnesota public radio and one from Wisconsin public radio and she just presses those buttons. And then my <laughs> sister does put some soul stations on further down, but those, my mom's only knows how to touch those two things and the volume.
0: I mean, that's where you get it. You know, this is why, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I have to point this out. This is why you are the way that you are, you know? You're just one degree of separation from that. Well, yeah, it's so funny when I find myself doing things that
1: I know, like technical issues that I'm having that my parents have had, definitely makes me feel old.
0: Um, Um, Should we start? Should we source some questions? Um, Maybe I can start with one that I think is appropriate to you. Okay, Uh, Oh, wait, maybe. Well, the first part looks appropriate to me. And then the second part for you. Should a man be fortunate enough to keep his hair? And perhaps Mm -hmm. especially if he isn't. What are your (laughs) thoughts on hairstyle as we age? Mm. I'll leave that to you. This is these people are this is this
1: is the NC-17 question. I, I think the most important thing about hair, color of your beard or anything else is not to hide it as hide it as for as short amount of time as possible because the truth will come out. So and, and and the sooner you embrace the fact that you're aging, whatever that means, the better it will be for you is how that's I a, would say that. That's a good perspective. You know I And think also and and to go one step further, when older men try to look young by wearing sneakers in particular, it just reinforces the fact that they're trying to, that they're old and they look silly. And the sooner you embrace your age, the better. And it doesn't mean we have to be happy about it. And it doesn't mean we don't try to do certain things. And, but it, you, I still think you, you want to embrace who you are and that will always take you to a better place.
0: I think that's, I think that's very, very well said. That's good advice. You know, I think I do sometimes love when I see like an old guy with jet black hair that's so <laughs> obviously yeah. not real. In in Italy. I get excited really? about that because sure. I'm like, this is like like no one's fooled by this, you know, but they, but you, they, they're walking around thinking everyone is convinced sure. that that's, or, their hair color. you know,
1: I think that honestly, I'm embarrassed to say, as I get older and I used to make fun of those types more often when I was younger. now I'm like, maybe they're just doing it for themselves to feel better. Honestly, who cares? They, but I, I think I remember somebody approached you once about doing some sort of hair club for men, baby beard rinse. Was it? Yeah. What was that story? Cause, cause I, I was like,
0: it, this, this came from GQ. This was like a GQ ad hmm. thing. And they were like, Oh, we're like doing some influencers to like color their beard or whatever. And uh, you know, all these things are, all these things are so funny because it'll be like, I mean, you're talking about like posting a watch and on your Instagram <laughs> and people bugging out. They're like, okay, all you need to do is post like three Instagram <laughs> posts of you like coloring your beard and the end result. And then, and then just like sharing the stories and like, can you write a story about it on your blog? I'm like, this is nuts. I, mean, I don't think there's an amount of money in the world that would make me do that. <laughs> you know, if they
1: approached it a different way, I would be interested in it. And if you, I remember when you told me that and that was all seemed funny and foreign to me. And then of course my beard promptly turned gray And then I was like, well, that's sort of interesting. And it really changes. When I see older photos of me, I, there's a a variety of things that are different, but one is just this very dark beard. And now it's sort of a middle-aged man's beard. And, and I think you, you just, if you're going to write something about some experience, that's sort of unexpected, like rinsing your beard, or honestly, I would have done a story about like getting a manicure. I've never gotten one. And I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, I would, if you, but you have to do it in a way like, what's this like, what did I learn about myself? What was surprising? What was better than I thought? What was terribly embarrassing? What did I never know? What terms or something? Or, um, and then you, you, you can't say, well, post this or do that. And that's, that's why those companies don't understand the best way to connect with people.
0: But. I think it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I guess, you know, part I, part of the problem with that too, is there are influence out influencers out there that'll just do anything shamelessly and they don't care. And so I think it it doesn't there isn't that idea that you need to really think this through mm-hmm. from you know from the media side or whatever whoever's hiring this out. But yeah, the manicure thing is interesting. There do you remember there was that can't remember the name of it exactly but in new york there was a place where you could go and get your hair cut and get your beard trimmed and get a manicure and it was like you paid like a monthly thing and it was like unlimited and you could just go like whenever you wanted to get your hair whatever your beard trimmed or whatever Mm. i actually think that's a good idea like the the manicure thing doesn't bother me i think that's i think that's a good good thing you know
1: I'm fascinated. Manicure is a little bit like the Belgian shoe. It's, it's both, it's close to being feminine and either it or dandyish or foppish and either it you embrace it and then it cycles back from that or it just goes all wrong. But I'm, I'm for trying it. It's good to try those things sometimes.
0: Here's a hair specific question. Like, okay. and I've thought about this too. Like at one point when your hair gets so thin, are you, yeah. you're, do you just shave your head? Like, what do you, you know, Mickey Drexler was talking about that actually on, on how long. Yeah. Gone. With CB. I yeah. mean, that's,
1: Ooh, man. I honestly, Here, here, The thing is that nobody cares about it as much as you care yourself. And that's true about everything, about everything. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going through different phases of this that have nothing to do with hair or anything else where I'm like, can I post this? Is this too many posts about someone buying my book in advance? And people are like, oh, that's boring. Oh, nobody cares. I mean, you still want to do it in a relatively tasteful way, whatever it is, and then own it and then get over it. And also most people aren't thinking about you anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's totally true, except for on Twitter. When every author is just every retweet, you know, it's like, I don't know how many good people I've had to unfollow because like they have a book and then all they talk about is their book and retweet any comment on their book. And that's a tough one. It's, it's like, all right, you get to, you get to tweet about it once a day. You know, that's, I th- I think too- that the, that's an old strategy. One of our friends
1: employs in a similar way that he would post anytime somebody repost a photo of, of something he made, because then it encouraged more people to do it. How I interpret that is that he's saying he's given the middle finger to his friends who have to look at this 8,000 times. And that's why they, and that's why they invented mute. And since that happened, everything's been a lot better.
0: And you can turn off retweets, which, which is effective. Um, Yeah. That the hair thing is interesting. And and, you know, what you said about no one, no one is really thinking about you. This is actually something that when people ask me about learning golf, Mm. things I tell them is no one is looking at your swing or thinking about what you did. Mm -hmm. They're all just thinking about themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's life in general. You go public speaking. It's like most people are just thinking about themselves. Like at a party, if you're not wearing... You know, the, if everyone on the train is wearing a tuxedo and you're not like no one is thinking about it. I don't know? know.
1: There were a lot of people. A lot of people came to me privately and said, uh, <laughs> what, what's Michael's uh, coat size? Can we lend him one? Um, yeah, well, Matt, Matt
0: did. Matt <laughs> did ask me. He said, you know, we're launching a new magazine called William Brown, Big and Tall. And we'd <laughs> like you to be the, our first cover star. And, uh, you know, I just our, my agent and, and him just couldn't come to a deal on that. So it's just well. Funny. You let, let,
1: let us right into a good question. I think that somebody asked, we got, it was very interesting. So we posted on Instagram. I'm intrigued. I'm into questions. I didn't want to come off hot. Even though about my stupid watch, but I, I like these thoughtful questions. So someone comes in and he said, his name's Alex. He says, can you wear a tuxedo to a summer wedding? He's got a hot new Brioni tuxedo. He's dying to wear it after COVID and it being inside, and he's getting a lot of invitations to wedding this summer. He wants to know, can you wear a tuxedo to a summer wedding? What do you think, Michael?
0: Absolutely. I think you could wear a tuxedo any place and it it works.
1: Okay. I've got a question for you then, a follow-up question. I definitely yeah. agree. You can always wear a tuxedo anywhere, but what happens when you go to a wedding and you seem to be dressed fancier than the groom? What do you think about that?
0: I don't think anyone will notice. Are you in the wedding party? If you're in the <laughs> wedding party, probably not. Right. You, don't, you don't want to do that. You want to take cues from from whoever right. is in charge. Right. If you're a guest, I don't think it matters. You know, you know. Sometimes I got married in Hawaii, um, and I just wore a blue suit. And and I have a friend that got married in Hawaii that wore everyone wore tuxedos. It was black tie. And I thought I mean, with my wedding that black tie would have been overkill based on the mm. locale of the wedding. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the photos from his wedding, I'm like, this looks beautiful. You know, I think tuxedos are interesting and still relevant because there is so much timelessness Mm. to them and they work in so many different ways like um no but i think if the groom is dressed some a certain way and you're over you're dressed sort of above and beyond them i think that's probably not not a good look but i don't know case by case basis what do you think you're this is more your zone than my zone well no i think it
1: I I love a tuxedo and I think men look good in tuxedos and I think there's something really liberating about wearing one. I think there's a, it's funny to me about planning weddings. And when someone plans a black tie wedding, I think you have to be really sensitive to your guests, what you're asking your, the people in the wedding party to do. And if they're flying somewhere and they're gotta be buy a tuxedo, if they don't have one, and they're expected to do this groom's thing or this other thing. And they're like, Whoa, slow down. Like if you do that, you have to give them a lot of guidance i would and say you know here's a place where you can buy a reasonable tuxedo that's similar in style to what i'm doing you're you know if you're if you're a real high roller maybe you have something made or do some part of you know we're having tuxedos tuxedo shirts made by our friend jake muser that's a really cool gift and obviously that's for a certain type of person but something where you understand that you're asking a lot for a wedding, especially because some of these young guys are going to five weddings in a thing. I mean, I'm sort of past that now. And I think it's nice when people feel that, you know, there's so much planning in a wedding and the the groom and bride are in their own heads a little bit. They can sometimes think everyone else is supposed to go along with it. And then people are like, wait a minute, I got to get a pair of whatever and this and my ticket to whatever. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I think you never want to, if you're in the if you're in the party, just as you said, you want to very much follow what what they're saying. And I think if you're telling people what a blue suit you want to give them, as much specifics about what you're doing, so they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. They, what what does a suit look like? Where did you get it? What's what kind of dress shirt are you wearing? What colors and
0: and yeah. what
1: what what's the tone? What's the feel of the whole thing? And they can you can just forward those right to the bride because she's the one who's making most of these decisions. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: there yeah. is a, it's a good point though you know. I learned in my wedding planning process, I think that you can't, you have to be involved. You can't not be involved as Mm. you know, as the groom and you have to be involved. You can't, you can't just say like whatever you decide is great. You have to have an opinion about it. Yes, And even if it's not right and don't expect that opinion to be respected, but you have to, you know, you can't just like float through it. Um, And I, and I will also say, I hate weddings. I hate going to weddings and I just despise weddings and I, I never, ever want to go to weddings. Um, I, and that's I'm, my, that's my, I'm glad I'm beyond the point when my friends are getting married with the exception of you. I'll go to your wedding. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: a, I'm an anti-wedding person. I think it has to do with the time in your life. And at a certain point, I mean, I've never liked them, but it, if you're in your late twenties, there's a time when you come together and they're groomsmen and this sort of thing that makes sense. I will say a brilliant thing you did at your wedding, a brilliant thing is that we arrived, I think we had to get into a bus to get to some pretty setting. And I was, you know, and I'm like, great, a bus and you gotta wait for people. And I'm like, oh, it's hot. And I was already like <laughs> ready to, and we got to this beautiful area and there was this person playing music and we gathered there and we stood up. We didn't sit down and we weren't, obviously you know this, but for the listeners and this great ukulele player is absolutely wonderful. And you had a drink and you gathered with all the friends And it was so great, instead of sitting down in a church or in some sort of place where you're waiting and you're just staring at the program, trying to figure out how long this damn thing is gonna be. And it was Mm -hmm. so such a great human, natural experience. And then the ceremony was also outside, not long. And then we went and had another drink again. It was the most seamless, it was very (laughs) well done. So I know you were saying you don't like it, but that was, and I don't know if that was your wife or you, whoever it was, that was brilliant. And I think for everybody out there, when they go back to doing those sort of things, is that you you want there to be some natural side of it and and make it a little easier for people to to be themselves and not be kind of constricted and inside yeah. That's just some,
0: you know, my number one thing at our wedding was like no announcements. No, like no, you know, no DJ making announcements. Oh, God. That shit just drives me nuts. That's just honestly, good, it,
1: this, it
0: makes, this, I'm this worried a-
1: about going back into society. I totally <laughs> forgot about these things. Wedding DJs. Oh, my God. Great. This is what we have to look forward to.
0: I think you should we should start saying you're anti-vax. So then you could say, <laughs> well, I'm not vaccinated. So unfortunately, I won't be able to attend your wedding. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, this ooh. is a good segue, though. Uh, mm. What about so I have you know I always when when I'm at a wedding, reluctantly, mm. you know I I make a point to befriend one bartender with a mm. sizable tip at the mm. outset of the evening. I like it. You know, so then we can always you know you're always taken care of. What what's your philosophy on on that and on tipping in general? I know I know ooh. you're a big tipping guy. My, my I just want to say
1: this about a wedding. You have to connect to the four people who you're closest to there, and you have got to get that time in, whether it's the, the mother of whomever, the father, somebody there, the person who's closest to you, and you have some meaningful exchange with that person and understand the gravity of the day and importance of what it means to them. Mm-hmm. Then you move on. <laughs> okay, But you get, you get that in, you're sober, and you appreciate it. If you're me, you get a little tear in the eye. I do get emotional at these things sometimes if I've known these people my whole life. I have that moment, I make sure I do it and and then I can like complete like they've got to do that 20,000 more times that day. Then I move on. Then you're dealing with the bartender then you're dealing with other things and then you can kind of get into your own little world, but you have
0: to get that. I mean, the, I, I wasn't insinuating that you go talk to the bartender first. No, no,
1: no. I know you weren't. <laughs> I was just thinking about like, when I, I, when I slander weddings, I still try to do like the correct thing. And this is true in a lot, like do the correct thing for 20 minutes and then you can do the <laughs> whatever is on your agenda for two hours, which is sort of my, um, my thing. I, I think tipping, tipping is the hardest Thing there is. And I think we learned a lot about it. Uh, it was the first chapter of my book on manners. It's the thing I get asked about most of the time, freaking reporters from the Washington Post or people or questions, how do you, you know, tipping. And it's because we want to, hopefully we want to do the right thing. I think what I always tell people is if you do, don't try to get away with doing the least, think about why you're doing it in the first place. And if there's anything we've learned or another thing, yet another thing we've learned over the last year, like a tip, is communicating something to somebody and you're recognizing their work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you want to get something from it, for sure, if you're talking about a bartender. But for the most part, we're talking these days, we're talking about delivery people, people in restaurants, the service industry, people who have been absolutely hammered yeah. by the last year. And so my basic thing is round up, round up. And also, it doesn't cost you a lot, I don't think, to add a little bit more. But if everybody did that, and their day would be so much better. And it's a very difficult job. Yeah. and um and so I think you you know there are times when you you want to communicate something. I think if you arrive at a hotel and you're going to be there for a while, you make sure you tip everybody and just to communicate this is the type of guest I appreciate being here and I understand that there are many people who work here, from the bar bellboy to the I don't know if we use that word, all these other things and and that you're there to that you recognize all the people that they do it and you're you're a, a spirited guest. And if you do that, you can look at it this way, good things will happen to you, but it's also just the right way to be. And gotcha. if you, and also if you don't have money, you tell them. And then, and that's also why I'm obsessed about having five Euro notes or 5,000, I guess you don't tip in Japan, but having small bills at all times makes your life so much easier. It makes you more likely to be generous. You're like, oh, here you go. Here's. And I, so I really, before I travel, I go crazy on small bills. Traveler's checks. I like, I'm sorry. I'm just going to sign this traveler's <laughs> check over to you. <laughs> My signature is so bad. I, I remember everything about those American express, that color blue. Yeah. It's really, I think there's a scene in Mr. Ripley about that, where they go to do that in yeah. Rome. And
0: he was getting his mail at the American express office.
1: It's just, uh, so good.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is cool. Um what else do you got? Do you have, do you I have got a, I got a one for you, Michael? Um, this is a re- really
1: good one. Um, trying to get these names here too. I've retyped them. This is from Robert. He says, um, are there clothes, clothing brands you're ashamed to admit that you like what he calls the Uncrustables of the fashion world? <laughs> Excellent.
0: Uh, I like
1: Uncrustables yeah, by so the these- but I'm I think white- that's what he's saying, that you like it, but you don't. It's hard. I'm glad you're coming out to say that you like it. What, what brands do we like that maybe people, maybe we're not ashamed to like that, but people
0: don't think that we would necessarily like? I don't know. I mean, I think my taste is all pretty great, you know, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything. I think, well, I mean, I'm going to start with my MWC, my military watch
1: company. Like the <laughs> whole reason I have this thing is because I got tired of getting the correct Hamilton and military, old military watches that I had to keep getting fixed, and I wanted to feel comfortable with. And I like Timex, and there's some particular Timexes that I wear. That I like to wear a watch that's fifty or hundred dollars that I can wear fishing that I don't have to worry about that. And I, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean I take the random one. Of course, I have to like obsess over it and seat them out and get the band I like. And there's a limited edition Timex and the weirdest color brown that i would think only i would like so i bought one of those and if i like it i buy another one and then i can keep doing it and i think it's cool to have a a low budget thing that you like yeah and um and that can be true of i mean i guess like that's like us putting ice in wine or something you just keep doing it enough for miller light or whatever it is
0: i think it i personally think don't buy a timex just buy a seiko okay. um i personally I like, like wouldn't wouldn't, I'm not like a big Timex person. I don't have anything against them. And I don't think like it's, I'd rather just spend a little bit more to get something better quality Mm. um, from Seiko, which I think is still pretty like basic. If I was going to recommend a watch, I would probably do that. Um, You know, I think I don't have a lot of brands specifically. I think that I'm, you know, I do shop at Uniqlo and think, you know, I think that kind of goes against a little bit of what I say Mm. about, you know, buying things that are well-made or, you know, I I think quality with Uniqlo is is not bad, but um, you know, it's not like heirloom quality things. Um, I, I think on a bigger, like if I zoomed out a little bit, you know, I always joke that when people meet me, they're disappointed um, that sort of, I'm not more stylish than I am. I think that's sort of my big thing. It's like, I don't, (laughs) I don't think I meet everyone's expectations of, Uh, Sort of what they expect me to dress like or be like or my house to look like or whatever. Mm. I think largely because I manifest a lot of that stuff through the stories I write or, you know, through the newsletter or through Mm. what I do. And I don't feel the need to own all of it. Mm. You know, Um, I, I appreciate a lot of things I just don't buy. Um, sure. I think that's, that's sort of just how I operate. And, and, and I also, I'm much more interested in the people at the brands than necessarily Mm. like acquiring every piece from every brand, but you know, that's just me, but I'm sure I do tons of things that are embarrassing. Like, you know, look at my Spotify, you know, (laughs) history. I think what's, I think if we, if you pulling back,
1: like you say, there's this understanding about when something is as good as it needs to be for its job. You know, meaning all I need is a basic pair of boxer shorts. I don't need Turnbull and Asser beautiful. Thing. I mean, I'm happy to, but then, you know, they're 60 pounds or whatever it is. You just need these basic ones or when you want, when a basic beer is good enough or when you want something more special or an everyday wine versus a really nice wine that's celebrating an occasion. And I think sometime, whether it's a Timex or a Seiko, like that's fine for that job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, or in the same way, a camera, like sometimes... I see people with certain types of cameras that are really, it's just a pocket camera and they're just like, I think you have one that you were shooting film on once when we were traveling and it's like, I'm not, you didn't want to get something really fancy or fussy. You just wanted something you could put in your pocket, take the pictures and you kind of even forgot that you had it or something. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. Or when, yeah. when you want the, like right now I see so many safari jackets, which seems like, or chore coat, some variation of this and all different brands make them and you think, well, these things started as kind of workwear, and then, how much do you want it to be cut better? Is it worth it? If it's, should it be $800? Definitely not. $300, okay. You can still probably get one military issued for $60 on eBay, but not. it's not going to be cut just right. Like that's really understanding what matters to you. And, uh, and that's also why when I buy something on eBay, I usually have to buy three because two are wrong. So you have to factor that
0: <laughs> into it too. You know? Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, the, the, I think it people everyone's different right and and what what we want to wear and what we want to buy and who we want to support and um you know i think it's a good question there's i'm sure like we can revisit this later once i uncover some of the embarrassing brands that i'm a fan of i mean i'm a big (laughs) untucket guy as everyone knows oh no (laughs) that's i i think though that Thing. Ian and Ian and Shep, speaking of my wedding, <laughs> Ian and Shep from Vineyard Vines were my best, you know, the best men at my wedding. You know, I, uh, I'm so just was, kidding, just I, kidding.
1: I well, I think when they showed the um, uh, whatever the right before Sunday at the Masters is Jim Nance is remembering a victory. It's usually like Nick Faldo and Jack Nicklaus. This year was Mark O'Meara, and I turned it at the very end because I'm waiting for it to start their live coverage, and it's like Jim Nance Productions. Jim Nance's wardrobe provided by Jim Nance for vineyard vines. And I was like, Oh my God, what is, is going on here? That's on every
0: football broadcast that credit. Oh really? Nance for vineyard vines. Yeah. Like every CBS football. I mean, that's like a big thing in the like wardrobe thing is you get wardrobe credits. Right. Um, but yeah, I've but just never seen Nance for vineyard vines. Maybe I've every NFL game that he's a part of it's in there. No kidding. That's, yeah. and then, it was, so he's, he's so freaking dialed in <laughs> Nance. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, yeah.
1: But I guess I think what's interesting to me about this is because it, it comes down to when you want to do something that you f- feel special. And so people are like, well, why does someone have a nice pen? And they're like, well, they like to look at it and they like to use it. And it gives them pleasure to do it. Or I say, like, why does someone have this crazy watch? They're like, Well, it gives them pleasure. OK, so then I ha- you have to respect that if they're doing it for the right reason. And then sometimes you're like, I don't want to think about that. And actually, my life is better when I know I have just enough and I think about it this way and, I, and it's going to be good enough. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's sort of why certain restaurants are most of the very popular restaurants don't necessarily try to have the best food. They try to have a good experience and have it be comfortable and the food is good enough. Yeah. And the places that are like highly rarefied that you gotta like concentrate on are like too it's too hard to do that on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, well said. Okay, I have an, I have another one. Okay, move, what do moving you got? right along here. Um have we ever gotten a proper account of how you two met? Mm. Which I I we I think we've talked about a little bit, but I don't think the I full... was very disappointed. No, I was <laughs> I uh
1: I, I know where it was. It was a corner of 61st and, and 5th Ave because we yeah. walked or 60th and 5th Ave because we walked to the entrance to the men's store at Barney's for an yeah. event.
0: Yeah. I, were we with, um, was uh, Patrick from uh, E-Tots with us? Oh,
1: God. I don't know if that, that may have been later or another was time. That but that I,
0: night? I definitely, I think we'd
1: met through Michael's website. <laughs> uh, I believe you know, which is that just that is just such an extraordinary thing to, to say. Well, I, let me say I found that site. I was it was summer. I was at Pine Lake at our cabin. And I think I felt disconnected from, you know, sometimes when you're in the natural world or cabin, you, you want to read news or you want to know about some something that's a little more connected to the fast moving world. And so I found this website that I kind of knew about a continuous lean. And I'm like, well, this story's good, but I'm sure the next story before probably is not as good. I'm like, well, that story's pretty good, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then like this story, all these stories are good, and it seems like only one person's doing it, and so I was very impressed and intrigued. And at that time, speaking of questions and approaches, you then you like you had to be nice to everybody because you weren't such a big timer, and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is I'm still you know a nice.
0: <laughs> I'm still as fake nice now as I was back then. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. And so I, I don't even remember. I wrote you and we, we, we started a little correspondence. And then when I got back to the city, I think we met. Is that, is that relatively correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that that's true. I just remember you emailed me about ties, about Alexander Olch ties. Oh my God. Um, back when you were a skinny tie guy, you know? This <laughs> <laughs> is a skinny, skinny everything guy back then. My God. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah i think your a, profile pics from that vintage <laughs> what, what year what year is that pro, profile uh, pic that I very gotta, sultry black and white picture of you they they didn't let me use
1: that for uh, the new book uh for a variety of reasons i don't need to get is there like right a
0: 10-year window that they'll let you yeah. stretch they, a photo they, into they generally say five years and i've
1: <laughs> like because i lied about that when that was it's now officially five years old but they also didn't want me wearing a tie on the back of a book about fishing Oh, interesting, um, and uh, and I think though also to c- keep correct um, our, the kind of roles we play in each other's lives. I may have also sent you an email um, copy editing w- how you'd written Barney's and your site.
0: And- yeah, I remember you. No, no, that wasn't even in that wasn't even in a story. Oh. That was in us <laughs> arranging to meet. You said you put an apostrophe in Barney's, were you doing that to be ironic or something? And I was like, no, I'm just uneducated. I'm just just a
1: fool. No, I was following with great uh, interest your career and wouldn't want anyone to you to make a mistake like that.
0: Um, Anyone that sends me a copy, like a typo or anything, I'm always happy about. So yeah, there's they're all over the place. And you know, I'm always too tired to, I think I, I always delay writing everything and then I'm too tired to really proof it properly. So I always appreciate when you send me, hmm. you know, I, I don't, how do you phrase it when you, you know, it's like uh, not polite, but you'll say like friendly, you yeah, know, copy, friendly update. copy editing from a friend is what I usually write. <laughs> what I
1: used to write, but but that's partly because people don't realize, especially when you were doing a continuous lean, like pretty heavily that there's just a lot of things like you've looked at it so many times that sometimes you don't see a a, a typo in a very basic central location and people like, Oh, he's not as dialed in as he should be. And it's like, that's because there's 8,000 things going on. And it's the same way people truly make, have uh, spelling mistakes on their resume because they've started at 800 times and they cannot see it's almost a a psychological condition. So I I sympathize with you. And now I've have some in my, um, newsletters too sorry everybody <laughs> someone is asking us here about and i'd never even thought of this like i'm interested. i want to pull back from the question the question is um what do you wear on sunny spring days this person doesn't know you live in la um but he does this he uh, he doesn't want to wear his barber to fade in the sun i didn't i guess i realized barbers are faded now that i think of it i didn't know that that was sun related you've got a barber for every day of the week so it doesn't really matter you've never had to um
0: I mean, don't you want things to fade? What, do you just want everything to look perfect and brand new all the time? That seems weird, especially cool. like a barber. That's I like a, that's I like, like having a, a defender. Barber. Having a defender, you don't want to get dirty. All right. Well, I, I think
1: know. probably most don't. Um, but do what? What is your kind of? Uh, what is a light summer or light spring jacket? What do you? Where are you at these days?
0: I mean, I, I'm wearing this corridor like army oh, yeah. kind of, you know. I don't even know what this thing would be called. Like kind of like a work coat, shacket, mm-hmm. shirt jacket. I love a shirt jacket just in any form. Um, completely. And I think that's kind of the perfect thing. You know, it, it almost feels like a more casual, like a, it's like a sport coat, but more casual
1: in a way. Right. Absolutely. I love, I mean, for me, it's that, that Drake's has that, kind of very nice over shirt that I can wear with a shirt and tie if I like to kind of dress it up like that's what I wore to the masters once I think those pictures were circulating and I think that's kind of a nice thing that if it's canvas or it seems a little it softens over time and you get a color you like and that's one of the best things they make and you can get a little bit Mm -hmm. kind of hold out for those to go on sale if you're not ready to dive in. Um, what else do we have here? I'm always just curious to see what people ask about the, you know, they're so specific sometimes. Um, someone was asking, uh, and this is another good theoretical one, at what point is going, is it going too far with bespoke? I think it's, this was because I, this man's name is David. It was because I posted those grills mm-hmm. and you can have them done however you want. But I think in general, like you can have so many things customized is that good or bad or is there something that you like to get customized or that you, you that, that gives you pleasure?
0: I, I think that it's it's always hard to do it unless you have some sort of issue with something. Mm. right It's like if you have a grill that doesn't quite suit your needs exactly yes. and then you make that one modification yeah. based on your experience. Love it. it's it's difficult to go in and just dream up some, you know, you end up with like, I want a pocket for my yeah. phone, yeah. you know, that's like where that's the zone that you end up in. That's like pretty, pretty pointless. Yeah. Um, I think it's tricky. I think like if you use something a lot or you can't find a better solution for something in the universe and then you customize to get to where you want to go, then it becomes really great. I think a lot of it otherwise is just like a, you know, a way to fill your time and to spend your money, you know, which is fine if that's what you're into, you know, I don't have a problem with that.
1: That's perfectly said. I think
0: I I feel like
1: a lot of people when, when they go get tailored clothing, they get on the wrong track, wrong track because they want to have something that announces that it's very rare and unique. And so that's what I always call the sort of NBA on TNT, like (laughs) the suits that they wear with all the contrast stitching and it's just so over the top and that's not really where you wanna be. And I think you're very happy with most suits most of the time. It is nice to get something special, to have something made and then you can get things that are a little more rare but they should still be discreet and true to your style. I think a lot of people get a suit and it's really like they get some stripe or pattern or it's bold and they just can't wear it very much because it feels Mm -hmm. like it announces itself so much. And, um,
0: and and you feel like, oh, I'm getting a bespoke suit. I don't want to get a name. Exactly. Suit or exactly. You know? And that's
1: and so if you know, one way around that is to get a I mean, a gray funnel suit, if you don't live in LA is a really good first thing to do. But you can also get a, a, a traditional color and a kind of unusual cut. But like a double breasted Navy suit is so powerful. But I think some people aren't necessarily comfortable doing that. It can be hard too. It is hard. I mean, it's, I I love when people get modifications based on something that they actually need. I think the best thing Filson ever made were those Magnum bags that were very carefully designed by the photographers. Mm -hmm. I wish they brought those back. Mm -hmm. I I think of, I I look at those things in complete um, admiration because of, of the materials and the way they were constructed and how functional they are. And they also look great and age great. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that, that wasn't bespoke, but it was, which the word is very annoying now, but I think it was made to the specifications of people who were in the field who really knew
0: what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. What do you think about like a, a four season suit, like a suit you could just wear all year round? Do you hate the idea of that? I love the idea. It's just,
1: I think, I think everybody should get. I mean, to me, the first thing I tell people to get is an unstructured blue sport coat. That's the most mm-hmm. versatile thing you'll have. You'll wear it a lot and it's not so fussy because you often don't wear blue trousers. You can wear it with jeans, you can wear it with gray flannel trousers or like summer weight wool. So that's the first thing I would say to someone and not like, obviously you want to be able to wear it a lot but I think the most versatile thing you can wear is a whatever, a Bolioli blue sport coat or a, the Drake's version of that or the Jay version of that or the J. Crew or whatever it is. Ralph Lauren makes it every year. And then you can start thinking about what you're going to wear more often. And then I mean, I, I generally think sport coats are easier to wear because you I mean, some people will split their suit up, but most people generally don't. Psychologically, they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you want to get to the place where you can wear it as much as you can and kind of wear it until it doesn't seem like it's wearing you, which often suits have that look like they were taken out of the back of this closet. Reluctantly and you're like, what is this doing? On the like is maybe they were made to wear it by their girlfriend because they're going to some special event and the guy looks really uncomfortable. And that's sort of exactly
0: what we don't want. It's amazing that suits are so attached to some trends that happen. And you you very <laughs> difficult to see until much later. <laughs> right. right. Well, it, it. I mean, there are, it is funny, even in
1: our, since our friendship, just like Mad Men or, or the width of lapels, I think the danger for all trends that are suit related have to do with something that's driven by fashion when in fact a suit should really be, have more to do with your build and your coloration and your mm-hmm. physique and the mm-hmm. color of your hair and your face and is your face wide or narrow, or are you tall and thin, or whatever it is? And so you, we don't really want to be basing that on what looks good on Don Draper. You want to—who is a freaking god? You want to base it on what looks good on you, and that's why a tailor can help you with that, and and you can kind of steer clear of some of the noise of trends and focus on what makes sense for you.
0: What do you think uh, about What do you think about if you you know you're someone that has to pay the fat tax, like your 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 weight fluctuates? You know. Geez. Yeah, that's the reason why I feel like bespoke can be tricky. If you don't, if your weight doesn't fluctuate, you know, and your sizes don't really change, then it seems much more reasonable than if they do. Well, hardcore, super hardcore tailoring guys like Bruce Boyer say that his
1: it keeps him thin having all this 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 wardrobe because he <laughs> wants to fit into it. Yeah. But I think what what it's it's also important to talk honestly with a tailor about what feels good on you and what's comfortable on you. And honestly, what you're, I don't know what you call that lifestyle. You know, I've had plenty of things taken out and, and, uh, you know, to fit my changing proportions. And I think a lot of people do and you want to, and that can happen on a, on a bespoke suit too. I, I, I just tight clothes don't look good on most people anyway. So I would just <laughs> walk, watch out about that. And, and I would watch out if you're in a store and you put something on and it doesn't feel good on you you, you know, get out of there, take time, be polite and say, like, I'm just going to think about it because yeah. it's a, it can be a very charged situation. You're not wearing your own clothes and the guy's standing right there. And it, you want to be somewhere where you can be honest with, you yeah. can say, I don't wear a lot of suits. You know, it's like the more honest you are with your tailor, the more honest you are with the sommelier, the better you'll be and say like, I like wine like this. I like suits like this. This, this doesn't feel comfortable to me. Yeah. And, 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 and they, help- they should be able to help you.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times I think if they're good, they won't have an agenda. Right. You know, they'd just be working on helping you be happy and look your best, and you know, it's not not something that you'll be judged. You know, sure. Unless you're around, you'll be judging us <laughs> no, from business. I, I help. I try. I mean, one of the the biggest pleasures I've had
1: in the last I don't know five years is helping. Like the idea is not for guys to dress like me or, or to think waste all their time thinking about this stuff or to get t- totally granular into the details it's it's to dress better for them in a simple way in their life on a regular basis it's like not talking about making a souffle it's like making a good omelet like that's all we mostly want most of the time and i mm-hmm. generally i think everyone's trying to find that level for themselves i still think men should try a little harder and that's good. And you generally, you get to know more about it. And I think once you have put on a coat a few times and you know what a co- one makes more sense on you, whether it has more structure or that you can move your shoulders for freely, then you get a lot more comfortable in it. And it's much more fun. I yeah. think because often the first one guys associate a really structured coat, which feels awful. And then they don't, they, they don't ever want to put that back on or they feel, you know, it's just like you're a kid again.
0: An unstructured jacket is, I mean, just such a such a thing for positivity and it's, it does so much good in the world. (laughs) You know, there's, there's nothing you could say bad about that. And it, and we're in a
1: kind of golden age for that. Most of these companies make some version of it that isn't, aren't too expensive and you can wear it with whatever your normal, like wear it it with your Yola Tango (laughs) t-shirt.
0: That seems like it could be a, uh, that could be a full newsletter story for you. The golden age of natural shoulders or something. I'd pro- probably has. I'd, I'd subscri- probably I'd, I'd, I'd subscribe for that. <laughs> I pay. I pay you every month for that for sure. Um, I, I don't know if you have any more, but you know, I think we should. I don't I'm know.
1: Exhausted. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> exhausted thinking about all these these what these guys want to wear. I you know I feel like I'm 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 interested in like how we. Like, learn more and how we communicate with people. And I, I think that we're, there's this faux intimacy. I mean, the old Glenn O'Brien, it was like the style guy, right? And you could write in and Glenn mm-hmm. would answer the questions about cologne or sneakers or whatever. And it was always pretty funny. And I think that we're, like, there's something that's really good about that and the idea of learning and asking questions. And I used to go, ask questions from this man whose name was David, actually, who worked at Barney's. And then he went to another store that I couldn't really afford in my 20s. And I would ask him all sorts of questions. And that's a really was a wonderful part of my kind of education. And I think that matters. And I guess that sometimes just everything moves so quickly through Instagram and through social media that we have this, it's like we're all we're sending texts to people we don't know in with shorthand notes. It's, it's just very unusual, informal time. This one, like 10% more formality mm-hmm. in my
0: exchanges. Am I wrong? Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess turn your, turn, turn, turn your DMs off. I, I don't know. I think I agree uh, to some degree, but I, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think I get it in the same way that you do. Um, I think the people I don't know. I think like you've also like sort of built a little bit of a ecosystem around like mm. advice and manners mm. and so. So I think maybe people, you know, I think you should be happy that people like look to you as someone to ask um, because there's not like a lot of trusted sources. I think that's mm. maybe like the bigger issue in the universe is like there's not a lot of better places to go to. And you know, I I can I can say this. You know, I grew up you know in a house that I didn't learn anything about tailoring or style from my father and it's not it's not good or bad it just what it it is yeah. what it is and I had to seek it out and learn it on my own totally and I remember you know not knowing what a peak lapel and a notch lapel was and you know like going through that process and it wasn't it was an active thing you know yeah. and so everyone's I think on a different mission and some things to us that maybe seem so obvious might be You know, that's just what I'll say about that. But I agree, like, people could be – I get a lot of really fun things, like, randomly, and then I get some things that are, like, a little bit, you know, like, I I have to, like, be your concierge. Right, right. Um, But it's, like, the good and the bad together, I guess. I guess my – it's – I love –
1: love answering questions and helping guys feel better about who they are and how they're going to live. And I've advocated for that and want them to want to tip better and do the right thing. And I think that it's, and now maybe it's it's not the people who... And that's why we do Q&A sessions on The Contender. And it's really fun to like hear what people want to know and what type, what's on their mind. And uh, to be honest, a lot of them are about sport coats and pursuits. That's <laughs> so like absolutely the number one thing along with Gino's. That's what guys want to know. And they want to know why something's I'm, good value or not. It's just... And I love all that stuff. I just... I'm just... There's something that's really funny. And it's not even for the people listening to this. It's just that if you... Like, I'm not going to write to Keith McNally. Like, is how much for this wine that he's drinking. <laughs> like, like, it's just very funny to be like that, that this, that the, the seamlessness of communication changes the nature of how we interact with people that we've never met before. And yeah. by all means, like people come up to me, you know, if we have a signing uh, for the optimist or anything else, Nothing makes me happier than if people have old books of mine and ask me to sign them. They're like, "I'm sorry, I'm not buying one." I'm like, "Are you kidding? This is great! I love that. I love it when people ask me questions. I love it when." And 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 that's, I guess, what I'm advocating too, like how we wait to learn these things, and and not just how much, yo, how 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 much also because maybe I'm embarrassed. It could be very expensive. It could be very cheap. When I was getting my Chinese Belgians, it was sort of a strange experiment. (laughs) anyway
0: it's a constant learning process it is we're all learning we're all evolving and hopefully moving forward david yeah we're rising like your uh standing desk exactly (laughs) that's a great metaphor and you know although our beards are not getting any darker oh my god we're still going forward all right i gotta go yeah it was great talking to you you too michael enjoy 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 your trip wherever you're going we can't wait to see it on instagram (laughs) yeah see ya bye